What is happening, everyone? Welcome again to The Window, Canada Sports Betting Podcast. Ahead on today's episode of The Window, Star Power. Another profitable night in college hoops gets limited by a pair of key players mysteriously missing. Dallas gets a much-needed win as a small dog in the NHL, and the under gets home again in Toronto. I've got five more plays for Thursday in college basketball and four potential plays on the ice as the Habs visit Winnipeg with a new bench boss. Another literal and figurative shootout between Chicago and Columbus, plus the goaltending decisions in Detroit shaping how to bet that matchup in Motown. It's time to head to the window. Let's go. Welcome to The Window. I'm your host, Matt Russell. A little don't look back in anger to start the show, per usual. Not a ton to be angry about, to be completely honest with you. 3-2 in college basketball last night. Uh, frankly, easy, easy wins when it came to uh, the three victories. Mississippi State, minus 5.5, absolutely trucks South Carolina from the tip. Butler, plus 7.5, home underdogs talked about it. Why is Seton Hall favored by 7.5 points on the road? Didn't make any sense at the time. Did we think the Butler was going to have an easy money line victory? No, not necessarily, or we would have been all over that. As usual, you know, something that we've talked about all season long, the mid-level underdogs cashing not just on the spread, but the money line as well. Uh, Providence finishes off the night with a relatively easy win as just a small home underdog there. So they get back in our good books even for just a short period of time. The uh, the two losses, uh, we had one that was not remotely close, but the one that was close was Vanderbilt plus eight against Tennessee. And, you know, whether it's COVID or whatever's going on right now with some of these college basketball teams, you know, we don't know what the lineup is going to be. And we try to make these assumptions. And then all of a sudden, about half an hour before the game starts, we find out that Disu and Pippen are both missing for Vanderbilt, which are literally their two best players. And so you do start to wonder, oh, is that why we showed value with Vanderbilt at plus eight in this game? because somebody out there knew that these two guys weren't going to play. And you can't tell me that they both have injuries. Uh, a guy tweeted me out, yes, you know, tweeted to me yesterday, you know, along the same lines, like why on earth uh, or how on earth could anyone believe that these two players had just picked up injuries since going toe-to-toe with Alabama on Saturday. Even then, they were down four with a minute and change left. So I think, you know, we were probably on the right side in our thinking with regards to Vanderbilt there. But they fall apart in the end, and Tennessee ends up winning by, uh, I think it was 10 to 12 points when all was said and done. DePaul went about as well as DePaul often goes when you bet on DePaul. And that is to say, they got absolutely trucked by Creighton. Actually, was hanging in there for the first 10 minutes or so and you thought that might be a relatively easy win just because things have been going relatively easy up until that point and then they basically never scored a point again uh which obviously quite a bit frustrating tonight uh five more plays here actually should mention the other two things last night is uh nc state plus 11 and a half that you know a very surprising result on the road at Virginia. Uh, third straight road game for them. Had talked about their road success against Pittsburgh. Um, you know, sort of surprising us that they would get a road victory. And, you know, third road game, that spread seemed a little high. Uh, it certainly was two to three points higher than I thought it should be. And, you know, but, you know, third straight road game against a team like Virginia, 
all of a sudden it's 60 to 40 and you're like, yeah, okay. Like they didn't have anything left. They go and they get the victory outright. And that's a pretty impressive uh, showing on their part, especially at a time of year where a lot of teams um, are really kind of dumping it at this point. And then Arkansas minus two against um, you know one of our favorites in Alabama didn't end up playing that game. Uh, was hoping to get minus one, didn't get minus one. It moved to minus two, and that should have been an indicator that Arkansas was going to have a pretty good night uh, against Alabama. That Arkansas team, you know, I think they're up to what nine games in a row at this point, uh, victorious. Uh, so as for tonight, uh, five games, I put in Michigan minus four on the action app. So if you'd saw that last night, you would get that number. That number is minus five right now. I think it's still worth a play. Um, part of it is just sort of daring Iowa to go on the road and put a good enough game together where they, you know, cover a relatively short spread against a Michigan team that is just mowing teams down by and large, right? Like didn't end up covering against Rutgers last, uh, you know, middle of the week last week. But that was because of, frankly, kind of a fluke backdoor type situation there. So um, with a lower number there, whether it's four or five, I think Michigan's still a bet, but hopefully you got the minus four in that one. Uh, Throughout the rest of the schedule, uh, Big Ten, uh, still in the Big Ten, Minnesota minus four and a half. A little dicey because, again, they've been missing a couple of guys here, but a Northwestern team is just atrocious. Almost bet on Northwestern on Sunday night, to be completely honest with you, as plus six and a half underdogs to Wisconsin, but Wisconsin ran away from them. If Wisconsin can go on the road and run away from Northwestern, Minnesota can certainly do it at home. Uh, I'm not putting too much into them getting killed by Illinois in that home game on the weekend that we were all over Illinois. Illinois, just a different uh, breed, if you will. So I expect Minnesota, even without Gabe Kalsher, to uh, win this game relatively comfortably. Hopefully that ends up being the case. Uh, then we get to go back to the Pac-12, which has actually done pretty well so far for us this season since we got a kind of a late start with regards to focusing on the Pac-12. Uh, I'm going to Utah at home here, plus one and a half against UCLA. Um, you know, these whether it's Utah or Colorado, the home court advantage just never seems to sort of add up um, you know, they don't take into account, you know, essentially that Utah and Colorado are much better home teams. I wanted to bet Colorado at minus, you know, I was hoping sort of a minus one. That was a bit aggressive. Minus two. Number's up to minus three. So right now I'm staying away from it. If it dips back down to two and a half, two, it might drag me into it uh, against USC, obviously coming off the uh, victory against Oregon. Speaking of Oregon, they are back on the road, this time to Stanford. Um, you know, a couple of nights, obviously, after the loss on the road to USC. I'm going to back Oregon here, plus the uh, plus one, essentially. Pick'em is fine as well to get the road win against Stanford, uh, and hopefully they sort of get it back together after getting uh, shelled by USC, shooting an incredibly uh, high rate from, uh, from deep and from the field in general. And then finally, Washington State, plus nine, a team that I love backing as an underdog of, you know, at least a significant amount of points here. Again, Arizona coming down the stretch to the end of their season obviously big win at USC that was quite a bit surprising obviously the market overreacted to the idea that Arizona had sort of packed in the season you know I think that was an overreaction in that moment because you were getting seven and a half points I think it was with Arizona in that situation now you're giving nine points and again I just don't think there's that wide of a, a disparity between the top and the almost bottom of the Pac-12 and I don't really think 
to be honest with you, Washington State is really in that bottom. They just had, what, double overtime, or did it even go to triple overtime? I think it was just double uh, against Stanford. And again, that was a home game. But again, as you know, um, home court advantage isn't, you know, isn't what it used to be, so to speak here. So uh, I think there's some value here on backing Washington State tonight. Um, you know, talked about Colorado being a last cut when it comes to that game. One other game from last night I wanted to squeak in, um, North Carolina, we talked about them adding uh, a couple of teams here down the stretch to get quote-unquote easy victories and they were nine and a half point favorites against Marquette and Marquette just blew the doors off of North Carolina uh not a good look for the Tar Heels uh, just worth mentioning that uh one other game tonight that's worth mentioning is Illinois some news breaking here that Io DeSunmu one of their best players if not the you know the best player on the team uh has a facial fracture, broken nose, I think it is, orbital, you know, I'm not a doctor, <laughs> do I know what the face bones are, uh, <laughs> but I do know that, you know, it seems like he might have the old schnozzeroo mask from back in the day, uh, you might remember the old days of Rip Hamilton filling it up, um, and DeSumo very similar to Rip Hamilton in style of play here, so hopefully he channels uh, UConn Rip Hamilton for the tournament, but uh doesn't look like he's going to play tonight. That number moved three or four points. Uh, I had the number originally at 13. Number open at 17, which in general was just way too high um, for the game against Nebraska. I probably should mention that. And, you know, the injury announcement comes down. And obviously, I think people sort of had a feeling there was, you know, some low-level, you know, breaking news, uh, different sources saying that, you know, he might be out for the game. And I think that was the indicator for that line move going down to 13. So again, pretty much a stay away. Uh, I'm not going to back Nebraska here. And Illinois certainly deep enough that losing, you know, quote-unquote their best player, uh, you know, will be a rallying point. I think everybody else sort of steps it up for a game long term. I think the idea hopefully is that he is back. Uh, obviously, no real need to rush him back, um, especially, you know, Big Ten tournament looming and obviously the NCAA tournament looming. You don't need him in a mask out there to potentially, even with the mask, take another shot to the face. Um, so we'll see how long they keep him out. Um, so that's the story with regards to college basketball, which, of course, means... As they say in hockey... Let's do that hockey. Thank you very much, Laszlo. Little let's do that hockey here for Thursday night. First, we got to talk about last night here. Had one preview up on the Action app. Talked about it yesterday. Calgary and Toronto and the expectation of a defensive battle, if you will. And just the idea that David Riddick is a little bit better than he was given credit for going into this season. And I don't know that you want to rely on David Riddick for an extended period of time here, but now that Jacob Markstrom has been out for a few games, he's you know grabbed the reins here and played you know really, really well. Toronto actually, again, one of their better games of this season from a you know high danger rate, uh, high danger chance rate, excuse me, uh, expected goals for rate, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? All the metrics that we talk about when it comes to even strength hockey. So that one, you know, zero, zero with like four minutes to go. And I'm, you know, I remember talking yesterday about, you know, six, the difference between six and a half and six and do you want six and blah, 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 blah. Didn't matter. Not even close. Um, Toronto pulls off the 2-1 to one win uh, in extremely dramatic fashion. Not sure when it became okay in the NHL to just stand in the crease for an extended period of time, but I guess if you're quote-unquote not bothering anybody, uh, it's okay. Uh, so Toronto gets the overtime victory there. So again, glad that we didn't 
push uh, our luck, if you will, with Calgary on the money line, which of course certainly was a viable option, um, given the goaltending matchup and all of that sort of thing. Uh, and then one bet from the show yesterday, cashes as well, Dallas plus 120. Of course, talked about that yesterday. Um, a weird five o'clock start time. Again, these rescheduled games, and I don't like guess we're just you know, buying these teams a couple of extra hours here, given the fact that they are back at it again today. Same thing with Carolina and Tampa Bay. Uh, didn't play that game. Thankfully, would have been a Carolina bet if that you know, money line price had gotten a little bit higher uh, and they get shut out by Tampa. Not all that necessarily surprising. Those teams are both pretty good. And I think in their four games that they've played now, three have been shutouts one way or another, two for Carolina and one for Tampa Bay. As for tonight, big slate here, which is nice because there really isn't one tomorrow. Uh, first and foremost, got to talk about Montreal here. And, you know, hopefully you caught the you know chat I had with Alex Moretto about the Canadians' goal uh, goaltending change, their head coaching change yesterday. Um, fun to sort of get him on the show for his take because he is pretty close uh, and locked in on the Canadians. And, you know, he feels pretty good about the coaching change. You know, I think there's some underlying, obviously some goaltending issues with the Canadians, but I think we expect sort of the best effort out of them. My money line price, talked about it with him, was minus 137. Um, it looked like with sort of the, you know, day in advance, you know, you see some of the, you know, the fan duels and DraftKings of the world posting super early prices. Same thing with Circa. They don't have a ton of juice on either side of their hockey. And so you can get a little bit of a skewed pricing from that standpoint. That being said, it's pretty much widely, I shouldn't say widely available, but like widely expected to be a minus 115 type price for Montreal. And now we're seeing minus 120, minus 130. So uh, I made a bet um, on Montreal at minus 120. I'd still play it to minus 130. And if we're being completely honest, based on the model cranking out a minus 137, I play it up to minus 135 too. But I think there will be an opportunity for you to grab minus 120 at some point throughout the day. And that's sort of the one that, you know, that was going to be a bet kind of no matter what, just, you know, from a value standpoint. And now you get the situational element of the head coach bump, right? In hockey, for those of you who don't know, more than really any other sport, I think, because, I mean, managers in baseball, A, they don't really get fired during the season all that frequently. Uh, and two, they don't really you know, do anything um, when it comes to, you know, actually affecting on a game-to-game -game basis type thing, right? It's more of a sort of managing the culture, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so, and the numbers are what the numbers are in a lot of cases with some of these, you know, baseball managers too, where it's like, they're just going to read the spreadsheet at this point, you know, in, uh, in 2020, 2021 type, uh, type style. Um, so, you know, in hockey, you get more of a push here from, you know, head coaching change. You want to impress the new guy in some cases. In this case, it might be a little bit of a, you know, weight off their shoulders, you know, getting to open up play a little bit. Uh, I think he talked about the over being, you know, potentially interesting as well. If we do see a sort of more, um, you know, open ice type of style play here for Montreal, which I think benefits them in the long run and hopefully in the short run tonight as well. Uh, and then just a bunch of goaltending <laughs> chicanery, basically, which again, you know, is going to be and has been a theme this season. And it starts tonight in Ottawa with Calgary and Ottawa. And I think Ottawa is a good bet here, kind of no matter what, because the options are what, right? The options are Markstrom comes back, you know, maybe too soon, that type of thing, you know, is he ready to go? Like he wasn't ready to go last night. He wasn't even ready to back up last night. So that seems unlikely, but again, you never know. Option two, 
is David Riddick on three out of four nights here. And we just talked about how great he played against, you know, the Maple Leafs the last couple of nights. You've also got the situational element of they lost that game last night. And that's a real, you know, peel themselves off the ice type of a game here. And to then have to travel, really difficult kind of situation where, frankly, we haven't seen that that much this season. And I wrote, you know, a preview about this for the Action Network. And I mentioned that Ottawa has been in this situation one other time. And that was when Winnipeg got beat up pretty good by Toronto, had to fly to Ottawa. And Ottawa played much better than Winnipeg did in that game. But Winnipeg ended up winning the game. There was a late, you know, six on five, um, semi-fluky tying goal. And then Winnipeg wins it in overtime. So Ottawa was just not able to take advantage of what was frankly a dominant performance and one of the more dominant performances of the year, uh, not just for Ottawa, but for any team in general. And so, again, I expect Ottawa to play really well. Obviously, four out of their last six, they've won, which, you know, again... It sucks because, you know, there was a lot of losing bets on Ottawa earlier on in the season at really good prices, which we felt we deserved better on because, again, the team is just, quote-unquote, better than this. And through whatever it was, 12, 13, 14 games, or they only had two victories, on a nightly basis, you're like, if you're just getting any kind of goaltending here, like, this team is much better than their sort of results are. And now it's showing. Now, I don't know that they're a 4-2, and two, you know, 66 win percentage team the rest of the way. That's obviously a bit excessive. But again, they're showing that they can be competitive here. So, you know, option three for Calgary is you know, a third goaltender that we don't even know of, right? This uh, Russian kid who is the backup goaltender uh, last night and, like, maybe he gets his first start. There's been, you know, obviously a little bit of an unknown there, and you get, you know, more than a few times the sort of new goaltender has shined over the course of NHL history. So I'm actually kind of hoping that it's just Riddick again, uh, maybe being a little bit, you know, sluggish here after standing on his head last night. Um, that being said, sort of waiting to see here kind of what shakes out. Um, but Ottawa, I think, is a pretty good bet. That being said, this is probably the best price I shouldn't say best price but like the highest value that Ottawa has ever been here uh in the market size which of course means a lack of value for the rest of us here because you know this is a play that like last week would probably be plus 160 plus 170 something along those lines so a little bit dicey when it comes to that uh Columbus and Chicago wrote an action network piece about this as well as you know Columbus you know, if you haven't been following that closely, all of a sudden, sneaky over team, uh, especially when Corpusalo is a net, which, you know, he's going to be here again for the foreseeable future with Merzlikens out. Uh, Merzlikens clearly the better goaltender here over the course of the start of the season. Uh, they're 6-2 and two to the over since the first injury for Merzlikens. So once, you know, Corpusalo took over, you know, Merzlikens came back, played a couple of games, just really just one game or two games against Columbus. I think it was two games against Columbus, but it had a shutout in one, um, you know, gave up three or four goals in the other, uh, which is a game, another game that went over, but they're still getting priced at five and a half total goals. And this is against a Chicago team that has no problem playing a little run and gun and score a bunch with you, right? With a fair amount of snipers, a high level power play, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I think it's a really good matchup here for the over at over five and a half. Obviously, you know, that shouldn't be all that surprising given it was six to five on, you know, what was that, Tuesday night? 
Um, I don't know that we're necessarily going six to five here, but even in the two games that they went under with Corpus Allo and Net, those were five goal total games. So three and two, three to two in both games, which, you know, again, whether it goes to overtime and it's a three to two game or it's a regulation three to two, there's obviously an element possibility there for a uh, empty net goal if it's three to two in regulation late, which is again, a key to why you want five and a half and you know the adjustment up to six or six and a half, um, you know, obviously would keep us off of that in this case. Uh, and then Detroit and Nashville. And this is, you know, a mix and match situation here. I wrote an action network preview about that too. So three of them all together, if you want to get deeper into each one of these games, check that out on the action network app or actionnetwork.com. Um, so, you know, I think Detroit in sort of general here, same way that they did in the previous game has value at plus 140. Both teams, strangely enough, have backup goaltenders, or at least the goaltenders they thought were going to be the backup goaltender in Jonathan Bernier for Detroit and Pekka Rinne for Nashville. At the start of the season, you know, those guys were taking a back seat to Thomas Grice, who had just been newly acquired for Detroit, and for UC Saros, the younger guy, right? Pekka Rinne, 38 years old at this point. Kind of can't blame them for looking for somebody new at that in that position. But all of a sudden, Rene's numbers are considerably better than Saros, and Bernier's numbers are considerably better than Grice. And so I think I talked about this yesterday, watching Detroit and Nashville play and sitting back going like, why don't I not just bet the under in this game? Because these two teams, like they aren't creating a ton of scoring chances. Nashville actually did decently with regards to creating their scoring chances in that one. I don't know that that's something that's going to translate to a third straight game in this one. So that's why I like Detroit plus 140. That said... You know, I think Saros is going to play in this game. And so if Saros is playing, I think obviously there's still a ton of value on Detroit, almost more so. Um, I think he plays because Nashville has two games this weekend. I believe it, it's against Columbus. Again, I wrote about it in the preview, all these teams and games sort of floating together at this point in one's mind. But, you know, either they have to start Saros against Detroit, which makes a ton of sense, right? Not a very good team. Like maybe they could try to steal one with Saros and that. And if they don't, I mean, it's Detroit. Like, it's not like Detroit's going to be in the hunt for a playoff spot, whereas Nashville's sort of battling out in that three to four seed type zone here um, with regards, you know, to Columbus, right? Like, that's the competitor. You know, Detroit, uh, excuse me, Carolina and Tampa Bay probably battling for the number one spot in the division. Dallas, you know, who knows at this point, obviously they don't play a ton of games um, or haven't played a ton of games. So who knows what's going to happen with them? Are they going to be in that one to two mix? Or are they going to be in that three to four mix? Which again, I think includes Columbus, Chicago and Nashville. So big games coming up this weekend, back to back, a lot of Saturday, Sunday, back to backs this weekend. So you know, if you're going to do that, I think Saros has to play in one of those two games because I don't know that you want your 38-year-old goaltender playing in both of those games. Maybe you do, at which point you definitely need to play Saros tonight and give him that extra rest if you want your quote-unquote better guy ready for the bigger games. And so kind of a tricky spot for them where they may end up having to play Saros two out of three games here uh, in the next four nights, essentially. So I think Saros probably plays. So I think Detroit's a really good value there. Problem is, what if Thomas Grice plays? Detroit has a similar situation with a back-to-back -back this weekend, but you could easily just play Bernier and then play uh, Grice in one of those two games, and it's not that big of a deal 
because obviously a you're not competing for the same thing necessarily and and you know b Saros needs to play at some point if he's going to play in key games with grace at this point it's been pretty ugly for him he's got one win on the entire season the last time we saw him he was giving up four goals and nine shots on friday the more time off may be the better for grice so uh, if it ends up being grice and it ends up being saros i actually think the over might become the better bet given the fact that you know we're still sitting at five and a half here like obviously the mindset with detroit is betting the under just talked about how it occurred to me to bet the under but if those two goaltenders are in the net we can't be betting the under with those two teams matched up, even if they are relatively, uh, frankly, just bad offensively. Um, other games that are going on tonight, we got the rematches here of Dallas and Florida. I, you know, got home with Dallas plus 120. Shouldn't be a surprise. That's essentially my threshold for wanting to bet them again. I, the most I've seen is plus 110, uh, even a plus 105 at bet 365. If you end up getting a plus 120 or it gets to plus 120, I think we can take another shot with Dallas always kind of dicey on the second half of a literal back-to-back where there's no day off in between. Um, Carolina and Tampa Bay, just absolutely no value in this game. The number is, you know, pretty much right on. Not exactly to where my numbers indicate. I mean, I've got Tampa Bay here as sort of, you know, the true line being minus 116 for Tampa Bay and plus 116 for Carolina. So I would need Carolina upwards of plus 130, 135 to even sort of consider them in this one. And again, uh, the goaltending element is still kind of sketchy. We don't know what we're getting from the Carolina goaltenders on any given night. We've seen good nights and we've seen, you know, shutout type nights and we've others seen brutal nights um, on the other hand as well. And then finally, uh, same situation as two nights ago with Edmonton and Vancouver, where, you know, I talked about grabbing the over, wrote about it in the action uh, app. I think that's a very legitimate play again tonight. Uh, it's the same deal as well, though. The Vancouver at plus 120, plus 125, I should say plus 125 is really where it becomes sort of a valuable bet here and over the three point, you know, 3% threshold that we'd want for a bet. You just can't trust them though. You know, you'd like, I mean, what else do you want, right? You get a three nothing lead, obviously three nothing lead in certain websites, bet 365, for example, will cash out that, <laughs> that price. But I don't really want to rely on that. And if they only get up two to nothing, if they, <laughs> you can't rely on the Canucks at this point to do much of anything. So by and large, a pass for me there. Um, though, again, over six and a half, I think, if you had to make a bet on that game. But we're going to have enough action going on tonight that, you know, you might as well just shut it down early and not have to sweat out a total, um, you know, at 1230 uh, at, in the middle of the night at Eastern time. Um, as for tomorrow, uh, no North or Central. So it'll just be, obviously, we're going to talk about the games that just happened. But from a looking forward standpoint, it'll just be college hoops. Um, I'll give my numbers for Saturday so you can compare and contrast once lines are up. That was an incredibly valuable exercise, um, more valuable for anybody who is just writing them down and just betting them blindly than it was for me, who was trying to be more selective on Saturday. You know, we ended up going 11 and four, but could have easily gone 14, 15 and four, 15 and five, something along those lines on Saturday, if we had sort of blindly gone crazy with it. Not saying that you should, because who knows, right? Regression, all that sort of thing. Uh, but anyway, that's what we'll do for tomorrow's show. Thanks as always for listening. Of course, do me a favor, uh, throw a quick review uh, of the podcast in your whatever listening platform that allows for it. That would be greatly appreciated. Until tomorrow, I'll see you at the window.